in that first reading from the prophet Isaiah, we have this beautiful description of the tenderness of our God. Beautiful description. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, O people of Zion, you who dwell in Jerusalem, no more will you weep. Why? Because God wants to show him his kindness, his care, his love. It's a difficult time, the difficulties in Jerusalem, part of the infidelity to God. They bring upon themselves all kinds of troubles and difficulties. And yet the Lord says, he says, he will be gracious to you when you cry out. As soon as he hears you, he'll answer you. The Lord will give you the bread you need and the water for which you thirst. And then the Lord continues, no longer will your teacher hide himself, but your own eyes you shall see your teacher. Well, from behind a voice shall sound in your ears, this is the way, walk in it, when you would turn to right, to the right or to the left. The, the gifts that God gives are real. The gifts that God gives are real, especially as he not only promises to do so to prophet Isaiah, but the reality of what Jesus did for us when he became one of us, the teacher we saw with our eyes. But not only the teacher and guide, not only the healer, but also the son of God who is giving us his life. I think sometimes we forget, you know, that the Lord does these things, especially when we gather here for the Eucharist. What does he do? We hear his voice, we hear his words addressed to us, both words uttered through the prophetic witness of the Old Testament, but then the words of our Lord Jesus himself, who speaks to us, reminds us, tells us what he does. Yes, in the gospel we hear incredible words at the sight of the crowds. His heart was moved with pity for them because they were, like tr they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. He, the Lord himself, the Son of God, was teaching in their synagogues, walked around all the towns and villages, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The, what is the, that gospel of the kingdom? That this world is not only the world which we see, but at the depths of, of God's special gifts to us is his, his kingdom, his kingdom, kingdom of love, mercy, kingdom of justice, kingdom of tender care, kingdom of freedom from sin, kingdom of being released from the effects of evil, kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom that is brought and given to us by God. It's a concurrent reality. You know, when we forget and we live only on this level of, you know, on, on that level of the day-to-day -day reality of needing nourishment, needing bread, working, whatever we do. But if we don't go deeper and realize that we're also living in the awareness, the presence of God, 
who is there with us, for us, who's inspiring us. He speaks to us, go this way, not that way. God who speaks to our conscience, God who speaks to the love of, of the people around us who care for us. God speaks to us through the events which surround us. We have to listen. But today's world is so much, there's so much noise every place and there's so much of superabundance of information that we, we kind of get so stuck on what we see, what we hear. We really don't have the time or the moment of silence to hear something else, something more deeper than that which we only hear outside. So the invitation for us, like we gather here for this Eucharist, you know, could be as short as 30 minutes, could be possibly as long as 60 minutes. But what do we do? We, we set everything aside. We come and gather and we have a chance to listen, to hear. We have a chance to praise, to pray. We have a chance to hear words of consolation, encouragement. We have a chance to hear the words of love, that there's someone who cares for us, the one who made us, he cares for us. He wants us to be nourished. He wants us to be nourished with his word. He wants us to be nourished with his truth so that we don't get confused, that we do not feel that we have been abandoned, that everything is up to us. No, it's not up to us to say yes, to cry out, like Isaiah, in the words of Isaiah, which is so, so clear. The Lord will give you the bread that you need and the water for which you thirst. The Lord will give, the grain, give rain for the seed that you sow in the ground and the wheat that soil produces with rich and abundant, with abundance. He will give to your flock the green pastures. You know, we don't think about that. You know, we go to store and we pick up things but we don't realize that the food grows and the seed that is put into the ground in October will produce fruit in June. Guess who takes care of that grain? Guess who takes care of the, the very food that we eat? Somebody else. We're not responsible. It's God who gives us. God gives the rain. God gives the green grass. God gives the very nourishment for the oxen and asses and, and gives uh, silage seed toss to them, good food for them as well. But then at the very end, there's one more promise that God speaks to his people. On the day when you welcome him, on the day of the Lord Jesus, when he comes, on the day of, the, of this Eucharistic celebration, the Lord binds up the wounds of his people. He will heal the bruises left by the blows of others. God's promise. You know, sometimes we say, we ask the Lord, and it seems like the Lord is not exactly responding right away. We feel like we need now, you know. <laughs> Where are you? What's going on? How come you're not responding? Sometimes we need the time to really hear and listen so we may gain the, the knowledge of what the Lord does. If we receive quickly, we forget quickly. If we receive with the simple, easy things, we kind of go on and do the things that we need. 
but God allows many things to happen to us, just like even, even the scripture today. God, although uh, you know, we feel abandoned, yet, yet the Lord's grace will be there, even if it takes some time, because that's when we receive more and more. The, the, the soil in our hearts has to be prepared to receive the seed, but then there's also the time, if it takes grains, you know, eight, nine months to grow, to produce fruit. Same thing with us. But then there's the other aspect of today's readings, and it's very, very important, is that the Lord wants us to go out and spread this good news. He entrusts to the 12. He gave them the authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, to cure every disease and every illness. So go out. Claim the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But then it says, without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. The gifts that we receive here during the Eucharist or in prayer, these gifts are free of charge and more so. There are superabundant graces that we cannot even buy with, with, with any amount of money. But there's something about spiritual gifts Spiritual gifts, as you all know, when we give, share, we don't lose. Material gifts, when we share, we lose. If we give some money from our account, it's depleted. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, when we give, as we know, we not only not lose anything, but we gain. Faith shared, love shared, good news shared. We get excited, the other people get excited too. We're happy, we're happy to hear. We're happy to hear good news because good news is spiritual reality. Faith is a spirituality, love, hope. So when we share, the more we share, the, the, the greater gifts that we all receive and we upbuild each other. Today we honor Saint Juan Diego. We'll go back to 1531. Just 40 years after Columbus discovered America, 40 years only. Seems like it's just short of a time. Interesting is 40. <laughs> Again, something 40 that is significant. At any rate, so there we have, we see a very interesting picture. You, you remember the whole story, so I don't have to go into details. But first of all, uh, Juan Diego, just for just a sheer fact, he was canonized by St. John Paul II, 2002. This is 20, well, it's going to be 23 years ago, 24, 20, I'm saying 22 years ago. Um, John Paul spoke of him in a very simple way. He described him as a simple Indian who contemplated the sweet and serene face of Our Lady of Tapiak. He described him as a just and upright man, a loyal son of the church docile to his pastors, faithful disciple of Jesus, and one who deeply loved a virgin. Um, simple description. But what happened to him? Well, a lady showed up. You know, he is, it's a very interesting story. Uh, where are you going, one? The smallest and dearest of my children. He hears this beautiful lady talk to him. You know, if I were a man in my 50s or so, I would be very happy to hear that too. 
where are you going? Okay, and then he replies, well, I'm hurrying to get to Mass to hear the homily. I'm not too sure how many people would say, oh, I'm going to Mass to hear the homily, but at any rate, uh, this is what he says to her. Then Our Lady said, well, I love you, my dear little son. She kept on calling him, my dear little son. Uh, and then she continues to, to share with him uh, very special words, and not only that, that, that he, she loves him, but she reveals himself, uh, her, herself to him. I am Mary the Immaculate Virgin. Yesterday we celebrated the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Blessed Mother says, I am Mary the Immaculate Virgin, Mother of the true God who gives life and protects it. He's the creator of all, Lord of heaven and earth, He's all present. I desire that a church be built on this place. So first of all, Mary is a great catechizer. She is the evangelist. She is the star of evangelization. When she goes and, and shows himself to the people, to the Aztec people, he, he was already, uh, his uncle became Christian already, and he was also, but, but the fact is this, majority or not, majority or not as we know, so she catechizes, teaches, informs, instructs, and then has a request. I desire that a church be built on this place. Now, so where do we do? So Juan Diego uh, wants to go and inform the bishop as the Our Lady instructed him, and then the bishop doesn't believe him. Normal, normal things. You know, some crazy guy, maybe perhaps. But anyway, so so the so he was disappointed, and he felt felt disappointed. The bishop did not believe his word. So anyway, so he met Our Lady again on the Tapiac Hill, and then he tells her a very interesting thing. The bishop did not believe me. Obviously, he already said that to Our Lady. But then he says, "Forgive me if I make so bold as to give you a piece of advice." <laughs> I am, not, I am not worthy to be entrusted with such an important errand. Please send someone more suitable, since I do not count for anything. Okay, you know, a mature man wants to say, look, you got the wrong guy, okay? You know, I find somebody who's able to convince the bishop. And she says, what my blessed mother says, my dear son, I could, I could send others, but I chose you. Do not be discouraged. I remember the same words which Faustina said to our Lord. Hard time writing. And she says, Won't you just choose somebody, a good theologian? He can write whatever you wish, you know. And the Lord says, Well, I want you to do so. And because no one would believe that you're able to write such theological insights. Okay? So he again, the Lord chooses little, humble people. So now we also know then the, the problem is. She wants to give him a sign to the bishop, but he doesn't want to do it. As you know, so he, there he is. He saw Our Lady on one side of the hill, so he's avoiding her going on the other side of the hill, so he won't have to meet her. But there she is again. She shows up. And so now he's trying to sort of kind of, he's embarrassed by the whole thing. And he says, my lady, he says, why did you rise so early? <laughs> How come you're here? It's too early in the morning. 
why did you rise so early? Is anything the matter? <laughs> Forgive me for not coming yesterday morning to pick up the sign you wish to take up, you wish me to take up to the bishop. I did not disregard my promise, but my uncle is gravely ill and wants me to fetch the priest before he dies. And again, we know the whole story. Um, and then he hears the wonderful message from Blessed Mother. Am I not your mother who takes care of you? Your uncle will recover. So I'll take care of him, okay? But you go and pick up the roses and go to the bishop who does not believe you. But, but then we know what happens. You know, the roses, the tuma, the image, not, not really made by human hands because the, uh, the tuma itself cannot really be painted. It's too, too rough. And so what we have here is this. He gets the roses. And then is this all about the revelations to Our Lady? Is this all about? Is it because the main, as we see, the main purpose was not to talk to Juan Diego or to heal the, you know, the, his, her, his uncle, and not even the instruction to build a church. Remember when St. Francis was told by, by the Lord, rebuild my church, build my church, because it was in ruins? Well, when Our Lady says to build my church, is to have the, the, the place of revelation, the proclamation, know for certain, I am the perfect and perpetual Virgin Mary, mother of the true God through whom everything lives, the Lord of all things near and far, the master of heaven and earth, is my warmest wish that a temple be built here to my honor. Here I will demonstrate, I will exhibit, I will give you, give all my love, my compassion, my help, and my protection to the people. I am your merciful mother, the merciful mother of all of you who live united in this land, of all mankind, of those who love me, of those who cry out to me, of those who seek me, of those who have confidence in me, here I will grant, I will hear their weeping, their sorrow. I will remedy and alleviate all their multiple sufferings, necessities, and misfortunes. Here, and let it penetrate into your heart, my dear little son, let nothing discourage you, nothing depress you, let nothing after alter your heart also do not fear any illness or vexation, anxiety or pain. Am I not your mother? Are you not my shadow, under my shadow and protection? Am I not your fountain of life? Am I not there to take care of you? These are powerful words. The mission of Our Lady of Guadalupe is a mission of being, Our Lady being the great, evangelist, the great evangelizer, but also she shows the power that the Lord has granted to her. She's our mother. She's everything that we can never imagine. This is why people responded. But then, as we know that image, that image spoke the language to the priests of the pagan gods and spoke the language of the priests of, of the Christian faith 
the image of the pagan god because it spoke very clearly. The Aztecs honored God the sun, God the moon. There she is. She is covering the sun, which means she's greater than that. She's standing on the moon. She's greater than that. You know, the constellations, which they were reading very clearly, the imagery spoke to the pagan gods as this woman is greater than the gods they, they, uh, they honored, is greater. And for Christians and for Catholic priests, they, understood, they saw the book of Revelation, chapter 12, which means that both, when Our Lady appeared, she spoke simultaneously to two cultures, to different peoples. And this is when they began to flock. There were so many that within a period of uh, nine years, a period of nine years, I think it was nine years that nine million became Christian, embraced it, embraced the, embraced the baptisms and sacraments. There was, the average was probably close to sometimes 5,000 people uh, per, per day, sometimes early on. But ultimately, if you were to calculate how many became, it was, it was uh, many, many people each year. Now, another element which came as an overlap, an overlap here. You know, the, um, the people, the, the um, Spaniards who came with Christopher Columbus, they honored, uh, in, in, in Spain, in the area where they came from, they honored a lady of Guadalupe. They honored her, so they knew a lady of Guadalupe. And now when Our Lady expressed herself to Juan Diego in, in, the, in the language uh, of the Aztecs or the uh, Nahuatl, I guess the language is known as then, and she spoke of being, you know, the way, the way the words which were, you know, um, spoken by in the language I do not know I'm not a speaker of the Aztec language, but, but the way it is spelled and the way it is, it was something like Guadalupe, which sounded like to the Spaniards as Guadalupe, 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 you know, whatever it is. But it, what it means is there's, koa means serpent, tla, the article, the, the and sopa means crush, crushing, serpent, a lady crushes the serpent. If that's not, again, the name, this is what her role is, crushing the head of a serpent, going back to the book of Genesis, where the Lord promises that I'll send you a redeemer. The redeemer, you know, he spoke to Satan, who will crush your head. The love for a lady that we have is not built by some form of human imagination. It goes back to the very revelation itself, creation, sin, the whole story of sin, the promised revelation. And then it goes through the revelation of God, and he speaks to us of the plan of salvation. And we're talking about at least 4,000 4, years of promise, 4,000 years of history as it's being revealed. 
Until 2,000 years ago, the promised Redeemer came, healed, and uh, he expelled demons. He took care of people. And this gift he entrusted to his disciples, and he's very present to us today. Throughout the history, Our Lady reminded, encouraged, and became the evangelizer. Remember, the first apparition of Our Lady goes to the year 51 in Our Lady Pilar in, Mex in, 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 his, in Spain. And James was so discouraged. You know, he didn't want to continue, want to leave. And Our Lady appeared there and encouraged him to stay. We see the history unfolding, this history of grace, of love, of mercy. All that is given to us and continues to be given to us today. This Eucharist, we are reminded of the truth. And the one who is always underneath it all is our Lord, Jesus. I am with you. I will always be with you till the end of time. So every time we gather for the Eucharist, we hear the good news, we're in encouragement, hope, love. We're strengthened, we're transformed, renewed, healed, we're protected. All those things which are given. And then the Lord is the guarantee, guarantor of these gifts. He comes to us. He's united with us. And then he sends out, go in peace to proclaim God's mercy. Go in peace to proclaim God's love. Be the channels, be the, the instruments, be the sources of healing, strength. Be the sources of hope. Be the sources of of the proclamation, the kerygma itself of Christian knowledge, because this world is in need of it. We're all invited to be great apostles, great apostles of God's mercy and love, great apostles of God's presence among us in this world, and great apostles of future glory awaiting us, because that's why we are here, not only for today, but for all eternity, to share God's love and his life. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.